marketing, explosive growth, and revolutionary secrets that can catapult your business to new heights. You're now listening to the Underground Marketer Podcast with your host, Tudor Dumitrescu, the one podcast devoted to showing new businesses how to market themselves for high growth. Welcome to the Underground Marketer. This is the place where we deliver the real truth about marketing and explore big ideas that can help new businesses thrive and grow into big ones. I'm your host, Tudor, and today it's my pleasure to welcome Rob O'Rourke. He's the founder of the Fox Web School, and he's currently helping web designers and other entrepreneurs scale their businesses massively online. So welcome, Rob. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I think that it's best uh, if you start a little bit with your background and you tell us a bit about your story, basically how you got started, what you did before you got to starting the Fox School and how you got into the whole endeavor. Yeah, for sure. And I can already hear, we were just talking about this before we started, I can hear Skipper barking a little. So if you guys hear any barking noise in the background, I got a little chihuahua, he might go crazy. Uh, so yeah, my background story, I'm from Ireland. I grew up uh, in a pretty normal Irish family. My dad did construction, my mum did nursing. And when it was time for university, I wanted to kind of get in on the construction game. So I studied construction engineering. But by the time I graduated, there was a massive recession in Ireland. So just no jobs, no opportunity in the construction industry, but just kind of across mm-hmm. the board, uh, the whole country was trashed. We just spent way too much money as a country and then we didn't have any means to pay it back. And just kind of ran out of, of cash. So not many jobs, not much opportunity. I thought surfing and worked at like summer camps um, for a year or two, just like water sports, which is fun, a lot of fun, but uh, eventually it's like, okay, I gotta make some real money. I gotta go somewhere. So with Ireland, there's this culture of immigration. Uh, a lot of people head off. So I was looking at the usual spots, um, the US, at Australia, and eventually mm-hmm. I found in Canada that at that time, the oil industry was really booming. So. I moved out to Canada with no contacts whatsoever, no history of working in oil, hardly even knew how it worked. Like I, I just knew it was in the ground, like they got it out of the ground somehow. So I moved over there, pretty long story, I guess, but eventually I ended up working in oil. It took like seven or eight different jobs. I got in on the, the oil industry and because I had nice. a degree and at that time, they're really desperate to hire people. So if you had a degree, no matter what it was in, they kind of like, oh, this guy's you know, got some education. So they put you kind of up the ladder already. So eventually I got to petroleum engineer position, mm-hmm. really good job, was making, you know, quite a bit of money. Uh, but the downside was I didn't really have any freedom. So I was just out there in the middle of nowhere because in Canada, it's in Alberta and Northern BC, it's super, super remote. So you get paid well, but you got to work like a lot of days every year. You don't have any sort of consistency in your life. Um, you could be doing something on your time off that give you a call you got to get straight in the truck. You got to go out for like one month, two months, sometimes like three, four months. Uh, so it's pretty crazy. So I did it for a few years. I was making good money, but I was just burning out. I was working nights, super tough job. And um, eventually the oil industry kind of crashed. So it was almost like a good thing looking back. Or I'd say, well, for me personally, it was probably uh, the right thing to happen. And at that stage, I was just looking at, okay, I've done this for a few years. I've kind of finally had this high paying job, but I, I wasn't happy with a lot of things. So at this time, I, you know, we were both in the fasting form. I didn't know the fasting form. I didn't have a different way to look at it. I just knew that in Ireland, I'd never made any good money. Now I'd made all this mm-hmm. good money, but something was wrong. <laughs> you know, like where, what's this money giving me basically? I'm, I'm losing massive chunks of my whole year. 
doing nothing basically like just out there on a computer in the middle of nowhere a bunch of dudes in the forest i mean a fun job adventurous but uh just chunks of my life was was going so at the time i had a buddy he traveled a lot and he was heading down to colombia and he's like come with me to colombia you know we'll, we'll do a few weeks so I went down there and it was just super fun, like the culture and, nice. you know, great country to travel, really, really good times. And I just didn't want to go back. So I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to make money. And I was running into a lot of people in Canada, obviously in the oil industry, you're working remote, you only meet people who are in the oil industry. Uh, in Colombia, I was meeting these online entrepreneurs and it kind of surprised me. I always thought like somebody at that point, somebody made their money online was like super smart, like they you know, a tiny percent of the population, like it wasn't possible for most people. You have to have like, mm -hmm. you know, um, something from Harvard or whatever. So I was kind of surprised. I was meeting a lot of people who'd like hustled their way in and online. Uh, they seem like ordinary dudes. I mean, they're, you know, working hard, but they didn't seem like these top, you know, 0.1% of intelligence people. So I was like, oh, this might be possible for me. Got talking to a few different people. And this one guy in particular, just one day we went out, we were about to go for lunch and he's like, oh, let me just check the computer. I got to check sales. And at that point in the day, he had already made like well over a thousand, two thousand dollars or something that day. I was like, man, this is like, <laughs> like what's going on here? This is crazy. So he was telling me you know, what he had done and how he'd done it. And one of the things he mentioned was the, the Fastlane Millionaire. So he recommended that book. I got the book, joined the forum and just figured out like, okay, here's a lot of people making money uh, online. They're doing well and, you know, other things. And uh, more than just the money was like the way they were viewing life. I just resonated with that. It wasn't, you know, it was like how to make money, but how to use that to get more freedom, control, how you mm -hmm. set up your life, look after yourself, look after the people close to you. So love the forums. I learned a lot and I started trying different business ideas as I was like improving my business IQ. So the first few ideas were kind of crazy, uh, you know, didn't go so well, but eventually got into web design. So web design was the one that like, you know, was the first one that hit started making real income with that. Eventually, the first few months were, were pretty rough. I worked on some freelancing websites. Again, I didn't really know what I was doing. We might get into this later, like as we talk more about sales, but I just didn't really understand like what value was to a business. So I was like, okay, it's probably about how many hours I work or how eager I am to work. And I was focusing on uh, like the me part of the equation and not like what they're actually getting as a result like true me, you know, I was, I was thinking, okay, good service, work lots of hours, do it for cheap. This is what a business wants. And then it started to click that, no, this is just going to burn me out. And it doesn't actually equal, you know, anything in particular for them. Mm -hmm. You could work all Absolutely. day. It doesn't mean a, a good result. So eventually it clicked and I started working for just better clients who wanted a real result and were willing to pay uh, pretty good money for it. So it went from 2000 projects to 5,000 to 10,000. And although I had made good money in oil, like I was on a thousand a day as a, a petroleum engineer, uh, making that like online money direct for myself just felt so much better. So I remember the first sale, my first big sale as a web designer was $2,000. And, you know, it took me probably, I guess, like two weeks to do that project. But that was probably the most like satisfactory amount of money I'd ever earned in my life to that point. It just felt so good. So yeah, I kept going with web design and then I was posting in different places and people started asking me and then on the Fastlane form as well, like, how did you do this? How did you get clients? So I started helping a few people that turned into more people. And eventually um, it was just too many people to do one-on-one. -on -one. So I was like, okay, I'll make some uh, videos and then, you know, you guys all watch the videos. We'll have a call together. And that kind of went to the next level and then the next level. And now it's like a full school. So 
I used to have smaller courses and products which had a few thousand people, but I've really focused on like, you know, delivering the most value and not thinking about big numbers. So I have over 300 students, which I mean, is still a really good, decent number, but it's like a full on program. Like I stick with these people, some of them for well over a year, like two, three years and just work with them and get them like the best results possible. So yeah, pretty long story there. Hopefully covered everything, but it's been super fun so far and uh, yeah, excited to see, I guess, where it goes next. That's awesome, Rob. I mean, there's quite some heavy progress in there. So I'm excited to hear about that. There are a few things that intrigued me. So you mentioned that you got a degree in construction. So I'm similar in that because I have a degree in civil engineering, although I've never practiced it, but I do. I had a question. So you said that you decided at the very beginning to move from Ireland to Canada. So how was that for you? I mean, were you scared to do it? How was your mindset when you actually took the plunge? Because I guess that was the first real plunge that you took before you actually went into the business. And I think that the reason I'm asking is because I think that one of the hardest things when it comes to entrepreneurship is sort of going on your own. Yeah being in charge basically of your own finances and you because you basically went to an entirely different country you obviously did that yeah yeah. so a thing that i'd learned early um my family when we were very young we moved to new zealand uh like this is way before you know travel was popular even before lord of the rings came out which is a popular you know new zealand movie series made in new zealand so just one day my parents got the idea let's move the whole family to new zealand so we moved there for like two years we came back And I guess it stuck with me like this thing that you can always do, you know, you can change things up in a big way. Like you don't have to be stuck in the same situation. So after university, when there was just no jobs, I was just getting so tired of like uh, no opportunity. Like I was willing to work hard. I was willing to hustle. But I got out there and I just I wasn't seeing like an environment to to put those skills into action. Like, uh, you know, I'll show up, but there's just nothing there to show up to. And I was working in a in Ireland, we called them a petrol station, but like a gas station, like I was pumping gas. I had a degree, <laughs> you know, uh, it's just like, OK, yeah, this I is, like I got to do something here. I'll switch it up. So I did my research. Canada looked good. But again, I, I knew nothing about the place out there. So I got on a plane and actually even before that, it took me over a year just to save the money for a plane ticket and like about twelve hundred dollars for when I got there. So I was coming in with like no contacts, no anything. And I remember the very first night I arrived in Calgary. So in Alberta, you got two main cities. There's Calgary more south and there's uh, Edmonton more north. And Mm -hmm. I was I was moving to Edmonton, which is closer to like the oil field stuff. But I flew into Calgary and the plan was to get a hotel or just somewhere to stay. And then the next day, get the uh, the bus to Edmonton. But I got in and found out there's this big cowboy convention going on and everything was sold out so that very first night i had to sleep on the ground in the airport wow Uh, wow. yeah yeah so i remember sleeping and somebody came over like a vacuum cleaner i think they're trying to get me to like leave basically but uh i just you know stay there but i i just remember that feeling i was there first night by myself like not that much cash no contacts sleeping on the floor and i was like man this is like i got a hustle here like this is gonna take you know everything so i actually kind of sometimes i look back at those times and like it was super fun to, you know, just go that crazy and like have to make everyday work. And, you know, that those early days sometimes actually have the best like fun stories. I feel like later in business, it gets more, you know, you're looking at spreadsheets, you're looking at like systems, you're working on these small things. But in the beginning, it's it's just like straight hustle. Yeah. So I ended up getting a bunch of random jobs in the beginning. 
Alberta has kind of extreme temperatures so in the summer it's quite warm but in the winter it gets down to like minus 30 minus 40 so my first job was these landscape uh company mm-hmm. but it was the end of the summer so it was like cutting grass for like a week and then it changed to like collecting leaves because autumn hit and then like a couple of weeks later we were out with like shovels and pickaxes like working in the snow super bad weather yeah eventually um hustled my way into the the oil industry if you got time for one more story i'll just quickly tell yeah, you yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah so with the oil stuff i had like no idea how it worked or anything but i had talked to a buddy and he kind of like told me what to say in the job interview to get hired because he had moved to the states and he'd got hired there so another irish buddy yeah so i was like if i can just get an interview i'll maybe can make this work but uh all i had was a bicycle i didn't have a car anything and a lot of these oil places aren't in the city, they're out of town. So in the beginning, I would show up on the bicycle and walk in and try, like, get a job interview. And uh, one of these, like, I had no idea what I was doing. One of these job interviews, the guy, it was called Bear Drilling, I think. He's a massive big dude behind a be- uh, desk. Uh, you know, just like, you can tell he's like a tough, you know, <laughs> tough fella. <laughs> so he's like, he's interviewing me. He's like, okay, so where are you from? And like, do you have experience? And I just try to like bullshit everything or make it sound as good as I can. And he's like, okay, so how are you going to get out to the oil rigs? I was like, oh, I have a bike. And he's like, well, you know, there's no motorbikes allowed out there. You're going to have to have a pickup truck. (laughs) I was like, no, no, not a bike. And I like point out the window of his like massive oil office with like a huge, you know, expensive desk. I'm like, no, I have a a bike. And he sees, he sees (laughs) like this bike, like, uh, you know, chained up to a post. And he's like, he thought I was uh, like joking for about, you know, two, three seconds. And then uh, he like had um, my resume. So he's like hiding his face. Like he was just trying so hard not to laugh. He's like, what we'll do is uh, we'll give you a call back. And I could hear his voice. He's just waiting to laugh. So like walk out of the office and his secretary like closes the door and I could just hear him like roaring laughing. So yeah, I definitely started off with just like no idea what I was doing. But eventually I got in with a, a job interview. I said the right stuff, got hired and it was pretty fun in that like it's kind of a crazy job. Um, almost feels sometimes like you're heading out to space or something like you drive in a truck just hours out into the snow, like the most remote places. So, yeah, just straight hustle. I think that's what it takes those early days looking back. Like so many lessons that I use now in business, I just learned from those first couple of years in Canada that just like every day had to matter always trying to like spot something that you can use to your advantage. And yeah, just like focusing so hard on, on making it work. Exactly. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, I, I gather that a lot of especially mindset lessons, you know, came from there. And that's really the foundation, uh, you know, because if you can do that, then you can uh, sort of actually move on to actually the more technical stuff and make it work. Because I see a lot of the problems that people have is that, for example, they don't talk with enough customers or they're afraid to talk with enough customers. They don't call call enough. And I feel that that hustle is really important and you sort of got that at the very beginning. So you had a foundation on which to build everything else. Yeah, I think naturally a lot of us, like if we're pushed, like we got to do it, then we'll do it. Uh, But people get to a certain comfort level and then that drops off. And even to this day, I still like try and just think back to that hunger. Like if if I could see where I am now back then, like I wouldn't even believe it was possible. But then back then I had so much hunger and I try and keep, keep that as much as I can. I'll be honest, it is pretty hard because when you got nothing, it's like, you got to make it work. Yeah. But uh, I see that all the time. I mean, everywhere, like modern life is pretty comfortable, especially the last couple of years, you can kind of get every, you know, like a base level. You got your Netflix, you got your phone, you got this. It's, it's not too hard to get comfortable for the average person. 
But yeah, you just got to fight that. Like if you want something, you got to get uncomfortable. If, if you're only trying to do something big and stay comfortable, you know, your chances of succeeding or how long it's going to take is just, uh, it's not going to be good. Like you got to push, push the uncomfortable. I agree levels. 100% with that. I think that actually one of the biggest problems with the modern world is that we are surrounded by all this technology and knowledge, but we have, a lot of us have lost access to what we used to have before in terms of this capacity to deal with the unknown and the uncomfortable. If you think about how people back 100 years ago, for example, had to manage, it was a lot rougher. So they are a lot more used to dealing with hard things from the get-go. And I feel that entrepreneurship by in itself is a lot harder than working a job. You know, you can't be comfortable and be an entrepreneur. So I think that that is one of the biggest roadblocks that I personally see in people. You know, when they, they're thinking about starting and they're not being successful, they're not finding any success. A lot of the times it's because they're just unwilling to be uncomfortable. And I mean, your story sort of illustrates that there's no way to get around that other than just doing it. Yeah, 100 percent. It's like that thing, uh, you know, just burn your boats or yeah, like I showed the up bridges, in Canada. Yeah. I didn't have a return ticket. I don't think I was just there. I had to work. And uh, I've been thinking about that story actually a little bit just for myself recently. Like I want to get the business to the next level. It's been doing well, but um it's just like you got to you got to think of it that way. Like your opportunities, your time, it's all limited it can feel good at like a decent, I, I almost find it's harder for me anyway, like to go from nothing to a decent level, like you got to do it because you have nothing. But when you get to yeah. a decent level, I find there's a lot of different mental things you got to deal with to get to a great level. And I definitely don't feel like I'm, you know, anywhere close to hit my full potential yet. And I just, I got to, yeah, use that, use that hunger. Like remember, you know, if you had this opportunity that you have now, like a few years ago, if you could see where you are now, like show up with that sort of work ethic? A hundred percent. I mean, I struggle with some of the same things because I mean, when you're first starting out, you're sort of, you don't know anything, but you're not so interested to know you're just doing because you really have no time to sort of gather the knowledge. You just have to figure things out on your own. And I think that that state is really, really powerful. You know, being able to basically recreate that state can be very powerful and it can really push you ahead quite a bit. So I, I struggle with a lot of the same things nowadays, you know, because once you, you start making your income, you leave a lifestyle that's comfortable for you, you sort of have the problem of getting trapped into that. And um, you don't have that same motivation, like you don't feel like you need to work as hard as before. And that's a problem, you know, when it comes to growth. Yeah, massively. Mm -hmm. I'm with you 100% on that. So, I mean, you joined the Fastlane Forum after you got introduced to the lifestyle and making money online and so on. What were your first impressions when you first read The Millionaire Fastlane? So, I mean, for me as well, that has been one of the life-changing books. I read it long ago, so I think around 2011, 2012. I lurked on the forum for a very long time after that, and then I finally joined so what are your first impressions with that? Yeah, what I really like about the Fasten uh, Forum and then the book, uh, like all of MJ's books, uh, like, and you as well, I come from an engineering background. So I'm used to like, where's the manual? Like, check the manual. Here's how it works. Yeah, okay, let's, let's go for it. Like, so before that, when I read a lot of books, it just kind of seemed like up in the air. Like, okay, I, you know, I kind of get what these 
guys are saying, but like, what do I, what do I connect that to? What do I tie it to? What I really like about the fast lane concept just overall is, you know, there's rules, not like rules, maybe is the wrong word, but there's very like, you know, this is how it works and this is why it works. And this is what you need to consider if you want it to work as good as, you know, you're trying to make it work. And that's what I love about the fast lane. It's, it's just like an idea that once you see it that way, it's very hard to unsee it because it just clicks so well like it just fits reality you're like oh, of course this business is doing so well and this one isn't and this person's struggling to get ahead in a job but this person over here who can scale you know things independent of themselves like it just makes sense you can just look at something and understand right away okay it's working because of these principles or it's not working because it's not following these principles it's one of the very rare books that i've read that that has that ability that it just like fits in and you can just connect it to everything mm -hmm. you see and you can just you can just prove straight away that it's, you know, it's, it's a real book. Like the guidelines in here is really how it is. Yeah. Yeah. If I've got something very similar out of it. So, I mean, the biggest thing for me was that he really portrayed the, the mathematics behind it very well, you know, so you have a lot of other books that go into the motivation and the, this and that, but they don't really show the model, you know, why can this business be so successful? And the sense framework that's revealed in there is, I think, really powerful. And the, the wealth equation as well. So you really get a sense that there is there, there are some mechanics to this that you have to make work in order to achieve the, these results. It's not just being motivated and going after it and so on. So that, for me, has definitely been, um, been life-changing. Yeah, yeah. And I think the form... Like whenever you produce content as a content producer, I think you attract people who resonate with your style of like the message, but then also your style of delivering that message. So I feel like the forum is full of people who are, you know, like to think about stuff, like to break it down, analyze it, like look at it from different perspectives. And you can see that with a lot of the posts that are very analytical and, you know, really take time to, to think it out. You know, if there's another form, let's say like the follow your passion form, which isn't a real form, but, you know, it's yeah. all about like up in the air stuff. I'm sure you get a lot of people who would, you know, connect with that. So I feel like the fasting form, true, like how detailed and uh, solid that book is. You just get a ton of cool members who are definitely uh, high level thinkers and just really, really, uh, really, really good advice and thoughts on like their own success. Like they break it down in such fine detail, like how they did it how it works, exactly. what's working, what's not. Yeah. I think that's one of the big things, at least for me, it was because you sort of see that people are actually making it on the go, you know, live, not like five years ago or whatever, but, you know, people are actually making it now. That's very inspiring. When you first started out and you got to the forum, you, you mentioned that you had a few ideas that didn't really work out. So, I mean, can you sort of walk us through briefly a summary of what those <laughs> were and why they didn't work out? Because I think there can be a lot of lessons basically for people to learn there. Yeah, yeah. So I have a bunch of them. I was going to make a YouTube video on this pretty soon and uh, I'll definitely have to create the full list. But off the top of my head, so one of the big ones, and this is kind of, so I went down to Colombia and then I came back to Canada and then I went back to Colombia. Like there's a bit of back and forth. So after mm -hmm. that first trip where I met these guys working online, I was like, okay, I got to do something online. And I went back. And at that time, Tinder was really big in Canada. Like everyone was using Tinder, uh, online yep. dating. This makes me sound kind of old, but like online dating uh, was starting to really hit in Canada. And when you went around, like a lot of people were just using Tinder all the time. So I was like, okay, they're using this, like what's an angle or what's something I could do here? 
So I made this app that automated Tinder. So there was a few of them at the time that did like, you know, auto likes, like it would swipe everyone or um, I forget what the other features were. But I was like, oh, there's no app that auto messages all your matches. Ah, so <laughs> this is the most spammiest thing ever. But basically what my app would do is auto like, you know, everyone in your area, let's say, or you could set the parameters. And then once you had matches, you could put in a message like, hey, how's it going? Nice photos. You know, what are you doing this weekend? And you could send it out. And I don't know how this was allowed to be on the app store because you could send like a thousand, two thousand messages at once. So I think what started happening is like, you know, nightclubs would get this thing and just like promote their nightclub or like all this sort of stuff. But yeah, I really thought it was going to do super well. And in my head, I was like, you know, there's this many million using Tinder. If I can get 5%. At this price, like I, I was figuring I was going to be a millionaire, you know, in a couple of weeks. So it took me a couple of months to launch it. I worked with a developer, put it out there and uh, it only got like, you know, a thousand, two thousand sales. Uh, I was pretty disappointed, but it just was what it was. Like I tried something. I was happy that I tried it. I was like, OK, I'll try the next thing. Um, so I had a bunch of other like kind of, you know, crazy ideas. We Conor McGregor was getting big at that time, the UFC fighter. We tried to make a Conor McGregor cereal box, which is just a crazy oh, idea. So not licensed or anything. I was like, well, make cereal about Conor McGregor in this fight. Because I'd, I'd heard a story from the guys who started Airbnb that they mm-hmm. had started this cereal box to make money in the early days about mm-hmm. the presidential election. So we kind of copied their idea. We tied it to Conor McGregor. Uh, ended up getting some orders from the top guys in the UFC, but we very quickly got a cease and desist oh, uh, kind of email from Conor McGregor's <laughs> business, basically telling us, hey, like, you know, can't make cereal with my name. One other thing that like was pretty solid at the time, but I didn't go further with it was when I went down to Colombia, I was studying um, Spanish and it was really hard to deal with the school. So, you know, like when you're in Colombia, you can get a visa to be a student. Mm hmm. But to do that, you have to sign up for these schools. And ironically, a lot of the schools will only deal with you in Spanish. So, I see. you know, you're there to learn Spanish. You have no Spanish and all the instructions online on how to join the course and how to pay. And you got to go to the bank yourself and, you know, with the bank person, get the account. Like it's really hard stuff to do when you don't speak any Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I made a website that would do all this in English and then take a percent. And I was getting 30% actually of the language courses. So I set this up. Looking back, I don't know how it worked, but I did make it work. A really basic website, had a page for each school, and you basically would send me, it looked like it was automated, like you would send me what you wanted. But then on the back end, I just take all the raw information, send you back a price. And if you're good with it, you would pay me over PayPal. And then I would go like do it all for you manually, basically. So I I was doing this and it actually went uh, quite well. I was getting some pretty decent sales. And for the visa situation in there, you might sign up for six months of um, Spanish courses and it has to be true university to get the visa. So it'd be like a couple of thousand dollars. So 30% was a pretty decent sale. So ran that for a while, but um, I just couldn't get enough schools to sign up and I didn't know how to get traffic and I didn't you know, really have enough sales to really take it to the next level. So I ended up selling that business tried a few other things. And then shortly after that web design from making the website for the Spanish school, I was like, okay, maybe I can kind of do this for other people and just go straight to, you know, clients and, and make money freelancing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That That's very interesting. I mean, it really shows that you're a super creative person. I mean, all those ideas, they're very creative. So uh, that's great. Why do you think the, the Tinder app failed? 
Yeah, yeah, good question. I'm not too sure, actually, probably because I had no real means to um, to promote it. I just feel like, because I really did think that one was going to hit. At the time, I was like reading a book about apps and all this other stuff. And I was like, this thing's going to take off. And I felt like uh, it provided a lot of value. But I feel like where it went wrong was nobody just knew about it. I didn't really have a means to promote it and get the word out there. I tried to get some press. I got a Maxim magazine, just like cold emailing reporters and stuff. But um, it never really took off and I just didn't really get the downloads. So there was a couple of apps that did similar stuff. Uh, I wasn't really towards the top of the list on the app store. And at that time, I didn't know enough about marketing or promotion to to really get it to hit. But yeah, out of all the kind of crazy ideas I had at that time, I feel like it was actually one of the better ones. But yeah, I just like an okay idea, but probably, you know, I don't know, not the most high value thing in the first place. I had no control if you break it down through the sense thing, like, you mm-hmm. know, Apple could have changed the rules, Tinder could have changed their, how they internally do it, uh, which they did eventually. I think they cut out a lot of those apps. And then I just didn't know how to get it out there and, and get in front of the marketplace. So if you were to redo the same thing with the skills that you have today in marketing and sales, do you reckon you could make it work? I think with the Spanish school, if I was to go back to one of those ideas from that time, I think the Spanish school was a great one. Uh, I would do Colombia, I would do all the other countries in South America and Central America. And then if it went well, branch off into other countries. But that was a pretty solid idea, I feel. There's a lot of people down there who, and then even before you go there, so you want to go to Colombia, obviously, you know, COVID setting is a bit different, but let's say you wanted to go there in a couple of months, Mm -hmm. you're planning ahead, you want to book in your Spanish lessons. Uh, there's just, and there still doesn't exist. There's no one website that lists all the schools, oh, I see. has the calendar, has like the breakdown, how to get the visa, what you need to know, how to move around. Um, so I felt like that was a massive opportunity there. There's a lot of individual schools all competing with each other, but there's nobody who's made that one site that, you know, uh, puts all that information in one place and you can just compare and you can get the best deal and make it yep. as, as easy as possible. Yeah. So sort of like one of those lead gen websites that you have, for example, for lawyers, you know, you're looking for a lawyer, what's your location? And then it sort of helps you pick one. Yeah, yeah it's like the classic, uh, you know, the joke, uh, the Airbnb of Uber, like whatever, but it's the uh, <laughs> the Airbnb of booking Spanish courses in South America, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a pretty cliche. That's thing quite a good metaphor. Right. So, I mean, you then you got started after all this, you got started in web design finally. So how did you go about getting your first client? And was that project actually successful? Did you have to do a lot of learning in terms of coding? Did you already have the knowledge? What stage were you at? Yeah, yeah. So the very first place so like web design kind of came out of uh, or where I thought, OK, I can make this work is G. Alexander, who doesn't post as much anymore in the fasting form, but he's a guy who's done super well. He had a post for his e-commerce store and he had said that he had learned HTML and CSS uh, quite quickly using a system a website called Code Academy. Mm-hmm. So I checked this out and I was like, OK, yeah, I can actually learn the basics of HTML, CSS. So I went through that pretty fast, uh, went to Udemy. I took a little course that shows you how to make a full website out of yeah. that. So I had the ability to make a very basic website and I had just actually made a website through this course. So I was like, I could take this website I just made, I could switch out the text and the images, and I could put in someone else's information, and that would be a business website. So I was like, this shouldn't be too hard. So Mm -hmm. I contacted my uncle, who I used to work with in Ireland when I was uh, much younger in my early teens, and he runs a business, or used to run a business for garden sheds. 
Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, you know, I do websites now. I'll do one for your business. You don't have to pay me when I get you results. You can pay me. And he's a pretty sharp, like hustler, kind of farmer sort of dude. So he's like, yeah, sure. Like, there's, you know, there's nothing. He had to, didn't have to pay anything yet. So he's like, yeah, yeah for sure. So I did this. We put it online and uh, I never got a single sale. And when I checked back in, he's like, hey, no one's using this thing. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, how would they even know it exists? Like, I didn't know anything about SEO or paid mm-hmm. ads or anything at that time. So I was like, okay, I've gone in the wrong direction here somehow. So I was like, okay, let's, you know, do this a different way. So I went to freelancing websites. I went on to Upwork, I met a profile, and basically I would just bid super cheap because I was trying to get some experience, like just mm-hmm. get some projects that worked. Uh, I got some okay clients, but a lot of crazy clients. I mean, when you're doing a website for $50, $100, you're going to get just like total nutcases sometimes, but you know, the craziest idea, one day they're thinking this thing, the next day they're thinking that thing. So I worked a couple of months with all sorts of clients, crazy projects, hustling super hard. And then just sort of like context as well. Like I was used to making a thousand a day, but I was working like my ass off all week for mm-hmm. websites that were like $70 or $110 or something. Just I wanted to make make it work so bad. And I just wanted to stay in Colombia and not have to go back to I the see. oil industry, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, man. There's a bunch of seagulls flying around if there's if there's background. Yeah, here. no worries. So what eventually happened in Upwork was I was starting to see that it wasn't going anywhere. I just had this feeling like this is never going to go up in price because there's just so many people willing to work for cheap. And also the clients, I was like, something's wrong here. Like these businesses exactly. aren't real businesses. These ideas are stupid. I was looking at it from their side. I was like, it doesn't even make sense for them to pay me much because this thing is never going to do anything for them. Like this is just so ridiculous that there's no value in it for them. And there's no purpose in me building it uh, either. So what happened was my final project, some 14 year old kid hired me for this app idea. And it was the most stupidest thing ever. No offense to this kid. Basically, I met like actually a really good looking website. So I like showed it back to the, like, I'm literally, you know, an adult, like doing all this stuff for this kid for like, you know, $60. And this kid is like, hey, I want like this change and like make this brown and make this purple. And he wanted all these crazy colors. And he just was butchering this website that looked good. And it just started to look so ridiculous. It was all over the place. So eventually I was like, look, dude, like I'm probably just going to wrap this project. Like you can have your money back. And he's like, oh, if you don't finish it, I'm going to leave you a one star review. And I just like canceled my whole profile. <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here. So what I did was I just thought about it. I was like, look, where, where have I gone wrong here? Like what is, what's missing and how do I switch this up? And the big thing was I wasn't working with real businesses who had real problems. I was just working with joke businesses with crazy ideas. So there's just no value there. Like they're not helping anyone. Their ideas don't make sense. How can a website solve anything? How can it be worth more than just a few dollars? Because all it is for those guys is a bunch of images and text that do nothing. So I went looking for a real business. And at that time I was looking, uh, you know, my Canada situation, I was doing my um, PR process, my permanent uh, residency. So I've been working with this lawyer, uh, Roxanne's her name, really cool lawyer. And she had a great business. But one thing I'd noticed, because I found her through a Facebook group, was when I was doing my research, I clicked on her website and it absolutely sucked. Like it was really old, broken pages. It just looked, you know, like something somebody made like a long time ago, all crazy kind of layout. 90s website. So yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's really old school. You're like, you know, weird fonts and all sorts of stuff. And it's like a really small size. Like it's not made for a proper modern day browser. It's like, you know, 
a phone size on a desktop. Like, so I said this to her, I was like, look, you know, cause we had had calls about my visa situation. And I said, look, you know, I'm actually doing web design. I noticed your website, uh, you know, it's not maybe the best. I'd be happy to build you a, a new website if you're up for that. And just straight away, I got kind of lucky there. She was like, yeah, like I need a website so badly. Like, you know, what's your price? Like you can definitely do this for me. And I said 2000 Canadian. She's like, yeah, no problem. So I was like, man, like in that one sale, I'd made more nice. than like months of working on uh, Upwork. So started working with her business and a lot of things with that project lined up uh, super well. And basically she had a great business. Like she was really good at what she did. It was an in-demand industry. So people wanted her services badly at that time. She had a great reputation. She had loads of good results from past clients, loads of qualifications, all these things about her that just weren't there on the website. Like her website, her current website at the time showed none of this stuff, really bad information, mm -hmm. like none of the basics of like what you would use in a sale to get somebody to hire this person. So I just put in all the good stuff about her business and everything else. Pretty basic sales system, but just on point, a couple of pages, covered the different services she offered, why she's the best, good credentials, good results. A little booking system where people could like, you know, book their first consultation, they could pay online, put that website online, and it just started getting a ton of results from day one because the market was there, she was known, she had this big Facebook group. So this website just started like killing it, like loads of sales are coming in, she had to hire extra staff, and in like a week or two, awesome. the website going live. Yeah, like her, her revenue went way up. She was super happy, really nice woman to deal with in the first place. So just so positive. So after that project, I had a conversation with her as we were just kind of winding down the project. And I was like, hey, you know, just out of curiosity, I know you paid me 2000, but seeing the value that, you know, it's given your business, you know, so far, if we were to do it again, what's like the highest price that you would have paid and still felt really good about the project? Yeah. So she was like, ah, it's like probably five, $6,000. I'd still feel like I had a great deal. And I was like, well, like I didn't, <laughs> to her, I was like, okay, thanks. But in my head, I was like, <laughs> okay, th th this is it. Like, this is the difference between, you know, Mickey Mouse projects on Upwork and real clients with real needs. They have a real business and like just their website is just like this one cog that's just broken and everything else is running. And if you can just like fix that website, you know, it's going to take off. So I went out there looking for other businesses with that same sort of setup. Like they were really good at what they did, great results like the best sort of product or service, but their website wasn't reflecting it. And that was my tactic or, you know, who I was uh, focusing on for this first few projects. So it went from 2000 to like 5,000, 7,000, 10, over 10. And then I started getting up towards closer to 20 and one project at 20. And I started to see, actually, you can kind of like overprice as well, where you get to those higher numbers and now people really expect this whole different level of service. Um, so I had one or two projects at that price range that I felt like went well, but not as profitable for my amount of time. So I actually, uh, scaled it back a little and kind of stuck around the seven to, you know, 12, 15,000 mark and did really well actually at that price point. So yeah, it's just those, I think that's the big thing with web design. Like it's, it's not a page. It's, it's something to do something like, what does the business need? What's going to be most valuable? And then building a website that does that, like so many people only see it from the lens of or the perspective of colors, fonts, you know, cool, fancy things that happen uh, for a business. It's a tool mm -hmm. like they're they're buying something that they wanted to fix this other thing. Like, what is the other thing? It has to be a system. You know, that's what the website yeah. is in the end. It's a sales system and it has to integrate in a reliable business model. 
So, I mean, it's very interesting what you said about Upwork, because I say the same thing to a lot of people that I speak with, that on Upwork, most of the clients you're going to get are very bad. There are some good clients there with real businesses, but there's few of them. And there's a lot of competition over them. And obviously, if they have so much choice, it's much more difficult to actually go about convincing them than if you are one of the few people who reach out to a strategic client who has a problem that you can fix and it's high value for them. So, I mean, I share the same feeling there. And it's the biggest thing, in my opinion, you know, working with the right clients. And it's not just in web design. The same thing is true in copywriting. The same true thing is true in sales funnels, which is what I do. So um, it's pretty much across the board. And it's really important to find these people. And actually, when I talk with people, I always talk about strategic cold outreach. You know, so you want to identify the people who actually have that need. So with regards to that, I was wondering if you can share how you went about in the beginning identifying these proper businesses who could really benefit from having a website. Yeah, so my strategy with reaching out like with web design at any stage is I put a lot of thought into what I'm doing before I take any action. And I guess I'm kind of naturally a lazy person. So when it comes to certain areas, prospecting is definitely one of them. I don't want to be the person who rings like, 500 phone numbers to get a website because at that stage even if you get a deal it's never going to be profitable so i'm trying to do like the least amount to definitely get the max return with prospecting so how i work on the overall philosophy there is i definitely look at what i've done so if you're going to reach out to businesses in a cold way you're not the first person who's come up with that idea there's a lot of people who do that so uh you got to be standing out like there's going to be something about you and your approach and your past work to just give yourself the best chances. I mean, ideally, if you have great past work, like really clear results, tons of like, hey, I did this, I fixed this problem, um, that's going to give you an advantage. So looking at any past result and understanding that past result. So, uh, you know, let's say somebody's built a website for a business. What did you do for that business? So you built a website, but what did it do for the business? What problems did it uh, solve? What value did you create? Then taking that like part of the of the project and then bringing that to other businesses. So you'd reach mm -hmm. out to someone, let's say, because this is what I actually did with the lawyer project. So I finished the lawyer project. What did I do there? Okay, I clearly communicated very easily to the marketplace how valuable she is. I made it easy for people to move forwards, easy for people to trust her, uh, easy for them to book in and make that initial transaction. Um, I showed all the social proof. I showed all the authority, all the past results. So then... Like looking at that, I was like, okay, that's the most sellable thing of the project. It's the most sellable part of the project. So now I just got to find other businesses who have those same problems and then very quickly show that, hey, if you have these problems, I've solved these problems before for other businesses and I could solve them very easily for you because you have the same things that this other business had. So it can be solved, like it's ready to be solved and it can be done. Like this is how I did it. So I would reach out to those other businesses and just very, very quickly, one way or another, try communicate that. So, hey, like I build websites, but it's not just about websites. Like if you're stuck with this sort of stuff, which maybe I think you are, like, you know, whether it's through cold email or whether on the phone call or whatever. Um, of course, there's no method 100% success rate, but I did pretty well with that method. Targeted niches that I knew quite well. So because I had the lawyer project, uh, it was good to target other lawyers. I could just use her name. They knew the project or say they knew like that business or they kind of knew of her one way or another. 
but I also contacted a lot of oil businesses because I had experience in oil. So I just knew how they thought, how they communicated. Um, so that gave me an advantage as well. Kind of jumping all over the place there, but basically like coming at it from a business perspective, I think that's the main area web designers go wrong. They approach businesses and they try push their worldview, like, hey, your design is off. Like your low, you know, your page load speed is terrible. Like your SEO isn't optimized. Like this is a business owner living the world from their perspective. Like that's so, those things might actually be super important to help them get a result. But the way people communicate it, they see it as like, that's the least important thing out of yeah, everything right now. Absolutely. So you, yeah, you got to like, every business owner stuck with a few key things at any given moment. There's always something big or a few things big that they would love to get. Uh, out of the way this week, this month, like these are the big problems. So you got to find out what those are and then show, hey, web design can actually help you with this. Like web design is not like way mm -hmm. down the list of priorities and a super non-important thing. It's actually a very real way for you to tackle these big issues that you have right now today. Here's how you do it. Here's how I did it in the past. Here's how maybe I do it for you. Um, that sort of idea. Awesome. Yeah, that's very solid advice. I mean, for anyone who is starting out with web design. So, I mean, when you found out, when you went out looking for those lawyer clients, how did you actually know before you contacted them if they had the sort of problems that you could solve or you didn't and you just tried to reach out anyway? Yeah, I didn't, but kind of like the same way that Facebook ad or Facebook ads has like a lookalike audience. I would like profile the clients that I worked with and then be like, who's really similar to these guys in like, you know, a different kind of way. So I'm not like only contacting, you know, these exact sort of lawyers, but like who's somebody whose businesses operate in the same way, deal, you know, same sort of, um, you know, type of clients or same sort of transaction or similar sales funnel or similar profile of client, like this sort of stuff. So whenever I got one project, I would just add that in. Sorry, it's so warm here, man. I just no add that in to like my group of potential people that I could be reaching out to. So for example, I worked at one business and then this will kind of link back to the last answer as well. So I worked at this business, their electrical engineering business for the oil field. And they actually didn't really care too much about the website at all in the beginning. They're like, hey, you know, we never even use the website. Like we're not going to be directing traffic. That's not how we sell nobody's searching for this stuff. We do sales presentations. That's how we get our deals. So I was like, okay, like what happens in the sales presentation? So they would talk about, you know, we get up, um, we have an opportunity to sell. You got like 20 minutes. So you go through everything, you do a slideshow. And then I was asking, okay, what, you know, do you hand out anything in the sales presentation? They said they handed out some like paperwork with some quotes and different stuff. And then I kind of found out through this, like, you know, asking a lot of questions that they didn't link to anything on this like paperwork that they'd hand out. Like they'd give a little kind of, uh, you know, a couple of pages of info, but they were missing out on a lot of things that they could use to sell. So I basically sold them the website, not because their people are going to find it on Google or anything, but because they could link it at the bottom of their um, sales presentations. And then people could go on the website, see all their past projects, see all the big yeah. names they worked for, all the qualifications, all the equipment, all this stuff. So those guys, very shortly after the website went live, uh, they got a million dollar contract directly from this. Wow, like awesome. they had, yeah, they'd missed out on the sales presentation. It hadn't gone well and they know it hadn't gone well. And then a couple of days later, the guy rang and he's like, look, you know, uh, da, da, da. like in the beginning, I was kind of whatever. And then I checked the website and I seen you had this project and that's exactly what we're looking for. So the owner called me, he's like, yeah, man, he's like this website like, literally <laughs> has met us a million dollars. So just results like that are like that, 
idea, like that story that I just told you, I would just take that to other people. Like, hey, you know, this just happened. Like, these are the sort of results I get. Like, this is my focus. And um, I just found that when, again, when you like come at it from that business owner perspective and they can see that you're thinking about the world from their viewpoint and you're really trying to solve those big problems, that it, it, does, it makes it a lot easier to sell. I wouldn't say makes it easy to sell. There's always some work, but it's just a way better approach than how most web designers go about it. Yeah, the shotgun approach where you send the same thing to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. Just, what I you hate mean. that approach. So yeah. So in the beginning, were you searching for these clients pretty much by Google? Like you found lawyers in whatever, or what was your approach to figuring out who potential prospects were? Yeah, so I would start always like easiest fruit first, you know, low-hanging fruit. So if I did a project, like, can I have some referrals? Like, uh, who are you connected to? Are you, in? you know, I would like try and just like branch anywhere that I could off of the project I'd just done. So if I did a project for somebody, I'd look at, you know, the nearest things connected to them, contacts, whatever. And then if I couldn't get a warm lead or I couldn't get a referral, then I would kind of like take the project and try create my own warm leads, own referrals. So I would like who is this person connected to, but they hadn't introduced me. And then I would uh, contact those people like, hey, I just finished working with Roxanne. I think you might know her because you guys are connected. You know, I would find some way to connect. Like them. LinkedIn and or Facebook or stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right? LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, you know, they work in the same university. They went to the same law university, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'd find anything that I could to connect them. And I wouldn't say that like Roxana recommended me, but I'd make it sound like I was reaching out to these people, like them specifically, specifically for a purpose. Like not that it was coming out of a phone book, but like, hey, you know, I just yeah. done this project um, while working on this project and doing some research. Your name came up like I would say sentences like that. Uh, so I wanted to reach out to you just see if you're stuck with anything and maybe have a quick call. And that worked super well. So I did that for, you know, every project. Uh, that would often turn up a lead and would help me not have to go to like the next levels. But if it didn't, I would just work my way down. So, okay, not as warm, slightly cold, yeah, very cold. And yeah, I keep going until I had something warm again. And then just like <laughs> that same process. Yeah. I also, uh, I did like deals with people. So if anyone could refer me to anyone, if they didn't need anything themselves, I'd pay them some cash. If they did need something, maybe I'd do some free pages for them or I fixed something with their own website. So I started building a pretty decent uh, network of like people to refer me and promote me. A sales uh, machine. Yeah, yeah. Always looked after those people super well. Again, I was just like, I like to be effective with with selling. I don't want to be doing a bunch of work when it could be done a lot easier. One sale is worth, you know, one sale from cold calling is the same as one sale from an easy referral. Absolutely. Oftentimes the referral actually pays more. So I'm going to try and make it as easy as I can. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a very good thing to have. And I mean, one of the least exploited assets that a lot of businesses have are email lists that they have past clients, maybe past prospects, whatever it is. Those are often the best if you if you're looking to make some quick cash for them. Those are great. And I mean, people often ignore that. But in my own agency, for example, I can't count the times that I've been able to reactivate a client just by reaching out to them. So definitely something not to be neglected. Yeah, and a, a big thing is, so let's say me and you are selling basketballs or something. Like you got to sell a lot of basketballs to make profit. So you can't like, hey, referrals or warm leads. Yeah, like you have to have a, a different, whole different type of marketing machine. But if you have an agency and you only need like 10, 15 projects a year, 
you can have a really like strategic one, like, you know, sniper approach. So I was never trying to like make the big machine that sends out, you know, a million emails or 500 cold calls or anything. I was just thinking like, like a wolf, like I just need one kill for this next week. I can chew on that thing all week <laughs> or all month. And that was it. So I was just always going for like the big profitable deal with the best company that at that level, whatever level is that like the best deal that I could get. And I would just like stalk my prey. Like I was just looking for one, one easy kill when I got it. I was good for the month in Colombia. I had my money, you know, it was a lot of fun. And then when the, the funds started to go down, I get that next kill. <laughs> that was it. So, I see. Yeah, yeah. If I had to go the full agency route, I guess I would have, you know, and I had the staff and the full time, whatever. I guess I would have had to switch that up and go on a more, you know, consistent, like yeah. broad marketing approach. But it was just me. I was doing everything pretty much myself. And uh, each of these projects, I mean, in Colombia, like you sell an AK project, you can last for months down there having the best time ever. So, wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. It must be quite cheap, project. I imagine. Oh, super cheap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, because I had like, I kind of gone through the oil savings with my app project and other stuff. So I was down to pretty much nothing. And I was lasting, um, before it got profitable, I was lasting like months on just like a couple hundred dollars a month. Wow. Um, wasn't super enjoyable. Like that was more, you know, very humble. Uh, yeah, levels. yeah, yeah. Like I didn't have hot water in the apartment. I was eating like rice and just chicken, this sort of stuff. But you could last down there for probably like, you know, three, four hundred dollars a month um, wow. if you have to. But obviously when the web sales come in, the quality of life <laughs> definitely <laughs> went up as well. So, so yeah, did yeah. you have spikes and then falls again? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There were some times where I definitely enjoyed life too much. And I was like, okay, I got to get back and like hustle again. But it was good, man. And not just Colombia, like I did Colombia for a while. And then I moved to um, Malta. I was in Ukraine for a while. I did Georgia. I was in Mexico. Like I traveled around quite a bit. It was only the last kind of, you know, three years, let's say that I've like, okay, let's start now building like a proper business that, you know, can scale up and, and do these bigger figures. But I was enjoying that freelancing life, man. I mean, for me, my values, like what I enjoy the most, just if there's a bit of money coming in and I have the day off, I can go, you know, surfing or do something fun. That's all I kind of want, you know? So uh, back in my twenties, now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, okay, you know, let's, <laughs> let's step it up a bit with the responsibilities. But for years, man, that was, was just a super fun way to live. One or two projects on the go, enjoy that, have a good, you know, experience. And then when the sales were kind of, or the funds are going down a little bit, you just got the next project. It was, it was good. So that's, that's awesome. I mean, it sounds like a great lifestyle and I'm sure that many people want to live that lifestyle in their twenties. So yeah, yeah. You can't do it forever, but it's definitely yeah. fun for fun for a while, for sure. Yeah, exactly. In terms of how you actually went about the websites, did you build WordPress websites, I suppose? Or what did you start with? No, no. So, the, and this is really funny. I got a lot of um, slack, let's say, from other professional web designers. But I use HTML themes, which is like the most basic way I think to wow. make websites. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of uh, clients that I worked for, they didn't actually need any like backend features. It was just more like here's the info online, and it was much more about the sales side of things. So, like that it was in the right order, that it was an effective, um, you know, system. As in, like you're going through the information that leads up to a sale maybe one or two sort of features in there. So I used a lot of HTML themes, one or two projects, especially those bigger ones. They wanted more stuff than that. So I'd bring in extra people and just manage them to do these different features. But I actually went a really long way 
on a very simple way to make websites. It's oh, that's very so interesting. So, I mean, how yeah. did you go about doing the payments, for example, for the first lawyer that you worked with? Yeah, yeah. So you use an iframe and then there's another system, Acuity Scheduling, I think is the name. You drop in the iframe and then people like, you can't tell on the site, but that little square is actually another website that runs kind of the way you could integrate like a type form or mm -hmm. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those sort of things. So I'd make it super easy. If there's and something the payment was handled by Acuity then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I so see. people don't know it, but they're like running that side of it through like another website. So. Wow, that's that's awesome. Very creative. Yeah, and the HTML themes, it's so basic. Like it's pretty much all there. All you gotta do is switch around some sections, add it together, change the content, change the images, and you got like ninety-five percent of the project done. So did these projects actually take you a long time to complete in terms of the time that it took you? Yeah. Or could you get very fast with them? In the beginning when I was learning, yeah, because I just had no idea. But after a while, like half a day, I'd have pretty much most of the website done as far as the code goes. And then it was just the case of getting the content, uh, putting it in there, working on the copywriting. A lot of my work actually, because the code got real simple after a while, a lot of the work would just be dealing with the clients and then a lot more actually copywriting and just sales. So for me, web design, it's like 5% code and then it's all these other things like the marketing, understanding the customer, the sales, the system. And when I say system, I don't mean the technical, like, you know, click here and this happens system. I just more mean like the, the order of like what information you're presenting to people, like the sales Yeah, what information uh, journey, you need to say. include to make the sale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so code-wise, super easy. Just to give an idea, so that 7K project I mentioned earlier, the electrical engineering guys, yeah. so that was seven days, and I wouldn't even say full days, and that was a 7K project. So again, You could it's have charged like, more, they made a million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, like, that's the thing as well. Like people, um, you know, you'd see online, like I post on YouTube quite a few videos, and then people are like, 7K, like no one's ever going to pay that for a website, but... When you see these businesses, like how much some of them do and how much your website helps, it, it honestly feels like you're charging so little yeah. um, for the results that you're getting. So yeah, 7K for them is just an absolute steal. It's of a like deal. a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People, I can see why, but so many people, especially web designers, just have a, they have this really bad way of looking web design where they view it as being super cheap, but then they're trying to you know, get around that and think that the clients will like that. They'll kind of trick the clients into thinking it's valuable. Like they're already yeah. in their own minds, they're already sold on it being cheap. And then they're like, I don't get it. Like I can increase my prices, but they only see it in like the most low value, cheap way. But when you see it as what it could be, and it doesn't have to be technically advanced or anything, it's possible, which is something very, very simple to add tons of value. This, the same way in copywriting, the way you could have one page of copy that makes somebody millions of dollars and you could have someone else writes a million pages and it does nothing. It's just pure nonsense. So mm -hmm. absolutely, it's definitely not. Yeah, it's not about volume. It's not about being fancy, not about how many hours or how technical or whatever. It's just that idea. That's what I love about sales. Like you get the right idea. It doesn't have to be whatever. It's just the idea is the idea. If it works, get the results. You're just charging for those results. So exactly. I mean. I have a few web design guys in my Discord group and the problem I see for a lot of them, especially when they first come in, is that they're just going after the wrong clients. And these clients, then they're surprised that, you know, the client doesn't understand the value proposition or doesn't understand what he could get out of the website. 
but they're just their own clients. And the second problem that I see very often is that people, they want to start charging a lot from the get-go. You know, like they've never built a website at all, but they want to charge a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars from the get-go. And I mean, even if you go after a good client, if you don't have any experience, that's sort of difficult to pull off, at least in my experience from just seeing people. Yeah, that's a huge thing as well. People come in and they expect like, hey, I'm here, I'm putting in work, like I should be getting paid a lot. But again, it's it's just results. Like if you can get results, you're going to be worth a lot. If you can't, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how many hours or how many pages. It's yeah. just you know, it's, it's not worth anything. It just isn't like, so yeah, definitely part of that is picking the right clients in the first place. And then, and this is what, like the fasting form, this, I feel like it's such a good resource for this. It's understanding business. Like you're building something for a business and then what do they want? Like they, businesses will spend money and lots of it when they can see that they're going to get something and it helps your business move forwards. But no business is going to waste money on anything that you don't need. So it's very like, black or white there like you're either hitting the mark or you're way off the mark there's no kind of like hey this website's half useful so we'll pay half of ten thousand yeah. dollars it's either like fifty dollars or you know it's it's the full 10k budget and they probably won't even spend fifty dollars because again it's like the time it's the effort it's the focus yeah. business owners just don't want to get involved with something that's not going to help their business yeah absolutely uh, I mean, you said something very interesting there, and um, it goes back to this concept that, uh, which is a mistake that a lot of people I see make, which is that they they go from the approach of thinking, okay, it's not about the technical stuff, so it's about sales. So they go to the next mindset, which is basically, how can what can I say to this guy to convince him to pay me 10K or whatever it is? Um, and the same thing with copywriters. So I work with a lot of copywriters. So I see this very frequently with them. They, they think, what can I say to these guys who come on the sales page so that they will buy? But to me, that's sort of the wrong approach because I feel you're working at a very low level. And the high level is like the big ideas. What ideas are you going to include in that copy that are going to convince the client? Not how you're going to phrase those ideas because that, the effect of that is going to be much less. So I don't know, what's your experience with this? Yeah, that's very true, man. So like that lowest level thinking is like, it's not possible. People are saying you make money with this or a scam, like it can't be done. Uh, you know, they, they just like block out any possibility that you can do it. But then that next level then is like, what's the trick? Like, oh, you yeah, got people yeah. to pay for this website? Like, how'd you do it? You know, like, what, what's, what do you say? Like what you're saying there where there's some like, you know, you got to say Magic this and words, say that. Yeah. And, they give you 10k and then like you run with the money like yeah so that that's their train of thought but yeah when you when you see it at the high level i mean this is why i feel when you get it you could just switch to anything and i feel like mm -hmm. you know right now i'm hiring uh, from a business for another role like uh let me explain this better i'm hiring for something and i'm actually not even looking at the people who do that i'm looking at people who understand sales and copywriting because i'm like if i can get one of those people and just train them up on this they're going to be way better than the person who's technically good at this right now and doesn't get sales and marketing. I mean, feel free to share here if you want what you're hiring for, because we might have listeners who are going to oh, be okay, interested. Okay. So, so I'm looking for a VA and it's like a lot of the technical things. So like how to set up Zoom calls, automated, uh, get on guest people, have the system there so it's easy for them to book in. Uh, when a new student, student joins, the emails that go out the first you know couple of weeks. 
Um, the Facebook group, we're moving that over to a new platform. So kind of like technical things, I could get a normal VA who understands the technical things, but it's like, and I've had this in the past, like you, you want people on your team who are thinking just that sales perspective, like me, you know, it sounds like we're saying the same thing here when it comes to sales. Like some people view it as manipulation and you say this stuff and then like you can trick people into this. I just really view sales as like you're effectively giving value to the customer. Like you on the front end, like sales is you're communicating effectively what this is, who it's for, how it can help and the results to expect. And then once the deal is done or it's being done, you're just like transferring it over in a high value way. So they got the results, but you made it easy. You made it effective. You made it fun. It was enjoyable to me that sales. So when I say sales, like I want someone who gets that. So they don't just like, Hey, I set this up and then you check it and you're like, Oh, that's such a bad experience. Although it is technically set up correctly. You know, obviously this like thing could have been added in here to make it a hundred times better. So yeah, a bit of a tangent here, but I'm looking for like that talent when it comes to hire, because anybody when in a day, like right now today, I was learning Thrivecart this morning. I don't know if you ever use that system, but yeah, within like, I have. An, yeah. So within an hour, I know like so much about it because there's not that much to it really. Mm-hmm. These like systems you can learn very, very fast, but the mindset behind it is always what makes somebody 10, 100, 1,000 times more valuable. Of course. Uh, especially, you know, everything's just getting easier all the time with technology, I feel. But what people are missing is that understanding. Like, these are people out there, they have real money that they worked hard for, they have a real business. They'll spend that money. They're not going to keep it. They have to put it into something. But they're looking for value. Like, they're looking for something that moves the needle forwards that, like, gets them a real result. So true web design or true whatever, if you can figure out what they need and then show them clearly how you can solve it, get them to what they want. Yeah, that's just like the crux of selling. Like that's what's going to make it easy to sell. That's fantastic. And I mean, you shared something there that really resonated with me and I never heard before, which is this idea of the front end of sales and the back end of sales, which I think is very interesting because we don't often think about it in that way, but I think that it's really valuable because as you said, the front end is communication. I think that the back end is the ideas. What are you going to communicate and being able to choose that? And I think that's an unexplored uh, bit of sales. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of books about that or a lot of courses about that when it comes to sales. And I think that figuring out the ideas that are actually going to be valuable and make a difference for a business, I think that that's where it's at for a lot of people. You know, if they could do that, I feel that a lot of people even have the communication skills. But if they can do this backend bit as well, they can be way, way ahead of where they are now. Yeah, yeah. to me, sales is just in everything. Like, you know, I think maybe not a lot of people, but to some people, it's like you have the worst house ever. Sales, they get the nice book and a fresh paint. They paint the front of the house, looks okay, you know, perfect. We're ready to sell. Like, yeah. to me, it's like, the, you know, your customers are going to talk. They're going to go out there. They're going to tell other people. They're going to leave reviews. Uh, they're going to go on forums. They're going to go on YouTube. They're going to whatever. Like, you got to have it the whole way through. Like, the whole experience has to be solid. And then when it is solid, okay, there is some sales techniques, of course. Like, you got to have good technique and good... um strategies to communicating mm-hmm. why you're better than the competition, focusing on your strong areas, all this stuff. But just that alone uh, doesn't get you far. And I, I see this in web design actually a lot where people maybe watch the YouTube videos and they learn like some stuff that I teach them how to get a big deal. And then they get the big deal and they're like, uh, you know, how do I solve this problem? Like, 
it's good they learned one half, but you got to back it up with stuff as well. Like selling isn't just getting a high price. It's it's bringing yourself up to where that is the price that it should be. Yeah. Back to, you know, what we covered a little bit earlier, but like that 7K project, and I, you know, it's not a massive project or anything, but in my mind, that was always like such a good deal. Like any website that I've ever sold, I always feel like this is a great deal when I get it done. I just look at the project. I'm like, they're getting so much more out of this than what I've charged. And I always felt that way. Now, one or two maybe went wrong and, you know, like the project itself had issues. I'm like, okay, maybe that wasn't the best. But by and large, I look at something, I'm like, they're paying this much and they're getting so much more. And I truly feel that. And then it becomes very easy to sell that That's awesome. in the future. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. So. Did you ever have any projects which didn't work out? And what? how did you approach it in those cases? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Upwork, I had quite a few. This will get off in a tangent, but there is like just some crazy people on there. I remember I did one website for a business in Canada and their logo was, um, you know, if you make like cookies, they have like the little shape of like a person. Oh, yeah. So you just like stamp the cookie. So their logo was like four of those in a row. And it was oh. like uh, blue, red, white and green or something. Or I forget the colors. And um, I put it like on the website or something and... Then they came back and they're like, this, this logo is like racist or something. And there wasn't a, like, you know, they're saying it was sexist, it was racist, all this stuff. So just sometimes you get these crazy people. I was looking at it and to me, it's just nothing. It was just some graphics that didn't represent anything really. So I had a few like crazy clients like that. Just crazy, you know, they weren't, as a business, I guess they had other ideas than making money. Like they were coming into these projects with, they had some kind of passion project or they had some kind of like mission that wasn't really business related. It was super vague and they're trying to maybe make more of a political point than actually do anything with this website. And um, again, I, you know, if you go in and you're charging low prices, you're going to attract people who think in terms of just like minimum cost. And a lot of times that is sort of the worst sort of customer. I mean, if you have a real problem, you're going to pay well for a real problem to get fixed. If you're looking to do things very cheap, either, I guess you just don't value it like you, in the first place. Well, I place think that the you... question is, why are you looking to pay really cheap? Because you can't afford it. And why can't you afford yeah, it? Yeah. Because you don't have a real business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... Yeah. Can't afford it. Don't value it. Don't understand it. Don't even need it. So you're attracting a lot of uh, bad customers and um, that was the problem, the big problem um, on Upwork with low prices. When I started charging more, I just, you know, a lot of those people dropped off. I still have one or two projects with some issues. Up on the higher range, I ran into other sorts of like, you know, working with big businesses. Like there's a lot of different people who are involved with the involved, decisions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like this guy over here has a cousin who says like, maybe it should be this way. And then next week, this person over there and they thinks keep changing. like, I see. yeah, you're like, hold on. Like, what's the goal here? Like we have all this different stuff, which is a classic um, freelancing problem. You hear a lot of people say that stuff. So I kind of did well and then I went too big and I was like, okay, I'm having problems when it's super cheap, which I'd long, you know, got rid of. But now I'm also having problems when the businesses are too big and there's just too many. It's turning into like more of a corporate, you know, setting, which is going to be real messy. So I just moved back down to... Solid businesses run by a small team, super focused on fixing a couple of key problems. And here's a website that does that. And mm -hmm. that was just like the sort of client that I love to work with. And then that sort of client hardly ever have uh, any issues. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. if you ever faced, like for the higher clients, when you started facing issues, did you do anything in terms of reducing the fees or anything like that? Or did you just do your best to help solve and iron out those issues? Yeah, so with my biggest client, I'll tell you a funny story. So I was down either in Mexico or Colombia at the time. I just remember it was somewhere south of uh, America. So I was like, I'll fly up and meet these guys. So I flew up and they had a massive warehouse, like hundreds of staff. So I go in and I've just been dealing with one person at that stage. So I was like, I'm just going to meet this uh, this person and have a conversation, ask them some questions. And I just kind of wanted to go there for the experience to see yeah. like one of my clients in person because a lot of my clients I never meet. So I go to meet them and at the place, you know, the factory or whatever. And they're like, oh, you know, it's great that you're here. Like we're ready to go with the meeting. So let's just move down to the, you know, this room and we'll start the meeting. So I was like, okay, this sounds a little bit more serious than I thought, but you know, it'll be fine. So I go down there, I'm wearing like, you know, skate shoes and a t-shirt. I'm just used to chilling out in Colombia and uh, go into the boardroom. And it's like one of these, you know, Bruce Wayne boardrooms with like 30 seats, you know, massive one piece table. And I uh, sit down at the very end and like, you know, all the heads of the business walk in, they're all like suit and ties, super engineering type folk. You know, they got the clipboards, they're ready to take oh. notes. And uh, they're like, yeah, when it, whenever you're ready, you can start your presentation. And I, when I sell, I never, um, or when I'm getting paid for a project and I start a project, I don't like come with ideas first. I get like, I want their information before I come back with like, yeah. this is what we're going to do. Cause it just makes logical sense. How am of I going to solve your problems? I don't even know what the problems are. So what I actually wanted to do with that meeting was ask them a bunch of questions and they were all looking towards me like massive uh, presentation. So I had to like switch it around and get them talking. So that was my first experience with like massive corporate business. Uh, but with that project, that was just, you know, what I was describing earlier, too many people got involved, too many ideas. And what I did to wrap that up, and I've used this technique in a few projects is, I'll just kind of buy my way back out of the project. So I'll like give them back. So I always take half up front and half when I finish. And if it's getting really stuck and just we're not making progress, I've tried a few different techniques and I really feel like it's just not going to be possible to finish this in a, in a good way. I'll just start like reducing what's left and sometimes just go down to, to halfway. So I like, hey, you guys can keep half, work with someone else. They can get you the results that you want and you can just use whatever. So you mean they, they, you just keep the, the amount that they paid up front, but you don't charge them anything or you keep 75% uh, in total? Like it depends on how bad the situation yeah. is and how much work I've done, but I'll just start adjusting down. And if it's if it's really, really bad, but that project, it wasn't like I gave them half back. I think I reduced just a small bit and they yeah. had somebody do like the last little part. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of the way I, I get out of a project because there's always another great client out there and I don't want to try finish a project that I just feel has gotten like too far apart and is just, you know, it you're forcing it out. to be finished. Yeah, mm -hmm. I want them to get the best result yeah. possible take back some of the money, go hire someone else who is more suitable to your style of doing things. And I'll just go find another client. So yeah, I've also found this problem with clients, especially when they have a team and a lot more decision makers get involved. And there's not like a clear head who is going to call the shots. Uh, what tends to happen in those settings is that projects drag on and they can drag on for quite a bit. Also, if you get a client who doesn't uh, really listen, the project can drag on for quite a bit and they don't tend to end up successfully. I mean, if you go through the process and you take the project to the end, it doesn't end up being successful because 
there's too much input and there's not enough structure to it because it's just not accepted by one decision maker or another. And so on. it doesn't even end up being a good experience for either either party. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I got nothing to add to that. That's perfect. Yeah, I think that I think that that's very smart that you have that strategy. All right, so we talked a bit about the freelance stuff. Let's head to the to the Fox School. So tell us a bit more in a bit more detail how you actually started. I think that the first time I personally saw you, it was on a Reddit post uh, long ago. So that's how I knew you. So tell us a bit how you started Fox Web School, how you got the first students, uh, and then, of course, also tell us why somebody should consider joining, like what situation they should be in that they should consider joining. Yeah. So, yeah, way back at the beginning, I think the very first students I got was like five students. I posted up a little ad on the fasting forum. I think that was the first thing I did. Uh, or before that, actually, let's say before I even like met a formal thing, just people were reaching out. So I was doing... As much as I could for free in the beginning, I started just like responding to people on the forums, on Facebook. I was jumping on calls at a few people. And then it just got to a stage where it was just too much. I was like, I, I literally can't focus on my own work. I'm not charging for this. So if I'm doing this, I'm charging or I'm just not doing this. And people are asking a lot. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll charge something. So I met a post on the Fastlane form. I think um, about five people signed up and I was working one-on-one. So I saw How much did you charge them? Yeah, I think it was five, 500 and it was five weeks and an hour a week. Oh, and so it was very, yeah, I, it was a great deal for them. Yeah, it was really good. I was just like, I'm going to charge something and whoever is most serious can take me up on this. Yeah, so nice. I did it and then I went to do it again after five weeks and Sinister Lex at that time, so you know him from the Fast Informs, yeah, yeah. he was like, he's like, don't charge 500. Like that's stupidly low. Like that's not the price of coaching. Like you're selling chunks of your time, like charge more. So he was like, charge, I think it was either 2000 or two and a half. He was like, charge that much. So in the beginning, I was like, that's too much. Like, although I was like super used to high prices of web design, I was like, I don't know. Like I feel these prices, whatever. And he's like, you know, if you charge good prices, you can do better work. You're going to get these people better results. So eventually I was like, okay, I'll do it at a higher price. But I was really like, I don't know about this. So I did it. And um, yeah, like, I'll be honest, I actually feel like both groups got like the same value. Like, you know, there wasn't like I was holding anything back for the smaller group Mm -hmm. or anything. So both groups got great value. One thing I did, though, was with the people who paid more, I actually gave them more weeks. I was like a little bit guilty of charging more. So I was like, okay, at the end of five weeks, like you guys hit me up if you need anything. A lot of them did. So I was like, still continuously helping them. So after a while, I was like, okay, you know, this is going past the five weeks. And I think I maybe did it one more time. So I was like, it's probably better make a Facebook group or something, get everyone in together. And then I'll start doing, uh, you know, like the classic course things. So I started making videos. Videos went super well. People getting really good results. And then eventually I was like, okay, I'll make a full course. Met a course, but I, I made a mistake, actually. I made two mistakes. So one... I priced the course low because I'm at this stage, I had a free group that was starting to grow and I'd started on YouTube and stuff. So I priced the course low, which is good. I got a lot of people in there, but then I realized when you charge low prices in anything, it's, it's good up front for everyone. Everyone loves a low price at the beginning. Yeah. You know, everyone rushes in, but then you don't have the resources to offer a good service long-term. Like you, as a business, you just quickly go through low price funds because there's not much in the first place. So you can do a few weeks or a few months of good service, but then you're like, hey, you know, 
guys, the party's up. Like, uh, there's nothing more here for me to keep serving you and, you know, providing good service. So the low price course, I just had to kind of, you know, they had the content, but I had to discontinue the one-on-one or like the, the live calls and stuff because I just didn't have the budget to keep doing it. Like it just made more sense to go back and do other things. Was it so, a video course that they had access to? Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. um, I think it was videos every week. We do one live call every so often. I mean, it was really, really good. I just was charging too low for what it was. Mm-hmm. So people up front would get a great deal. But then I just, again, I couldn't provide the service for too long at those sort of prices. So I switched it to a monthly thing, which is, this is the worst idea I had out of everything. I was trying like different models. So the monthly thing was like 30 a month, but you could join the first month for $1. I'm sure you see where this is going to go. And I was like, if I get a, you know, a thousand people in there, like 30,000, I could do a great job. And like, I'll have the best community ever. Uh, but what happened was just a load of people were joining for $1 who had no intention of sticking around. Tons of questions, tons of spam. And like, there was great people in there, but then also a lot of people who were like expecting you to do everything for $1. And then when you didn't, they'd like spaz out. That's and, what happens with low prices. Yeah, yeah. Like super demanding. Like So again, not a good way. Shut that down. And then I was just looking back. I was like, who got the best results? Who are the best sort of clients? People who are super committed and who stick with it, what's the best way to screen for them, charge a good price, and then when I have a good price, I can run a solid business, I can run it as a full-time school. And then what also was happening was I was trying to, in the beginning, juggle running a school with juggling real projects. And Mm -hmm. the problem is, mentally, they're two very different tasks. Just, it's hard to combine the two. So when I work with like a client in the morning and then I go to the school, my mind was just like, you know, in two different places and I, I didn't like it. It was either I'm going to fully work with clients or I'm going to fully run the school and I tried I to see. do both. Yeah, for a long time, I couldn't. And I was like, I'll go with the school. I just enjoy it more talking to people. Uh, I feel like business stuff, the websites, I do like it and it's good money, but the school, I get more personal value out of it or just to me, it's more enjoyable. So, mm-hmm. and then as a business, I'll be honest, it's more scalable as well. It's just, it's a business that can go bigger than a web design business. So yeah, built a full school. The base model of what I have now started to form proper community, um, higher prices, like the full package. We work with people as much as we possibly can. Uh, best sort of content, weekly live calls, extra resources, get some staff, get a team together. So started that model. I don't have the exact times here, but I've kind of refined that. And now the school is at the next level where I feel like I've kind of put all the content in there that I've systemize all the value that I have to teach people, although I still do the Mm -hmm. live calls and and comment all the time. But as far as content goes, I've added it in there. And now I want to go get other experts, uh, which I've already started doing and have them add additional skills. Yeah, that's awesome. So kind of my, yeah, my vision there is thinking back to when I started. So, you know, I'm going to teach you the web design stuff. I'm going to get you profitable. But my goal is that they don't be web designers forever. Like I want them to go further and do bigger stuff. Like if they're a web designer 10 years from now, like I've failed as <laughs> yeah, yeah. as a teacher. Like this is a way to start. But if you can do this, you can do bigger things. So get going with this, learn it, make the money, figure out all, all the base level stuff and then use that to go uh, to go bigger. So along with that, like I don't want to just teach them web design. I want when they go to that next level, they're as best prepared as possible. Got a bunch of different skills. So copywriting, SEO, ads, email marketing, awesome. backend systems, yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the next level right now is just getting in these other experts 
and just adding in those extra courses. I already have an SEO one. I already have a copywriting one from two great instructors. And then I want to bring in more guest calls and just the community experience as well. I'm always trying to get that to a higher level. It's a really tight group in there already, but we run on Facebook and I feel like if we get it off Facebook, we can do an even better job. Just organize that information a bit better. That's awesome. I love how you grew this thing organically because a lot of people, you know, they, um, they sort of want to go to the big level all of a sudden. Impatience, I think, is one of the, the biggest things that are holding the entrepreneur types back at least. Because people want results really fast. And when you want really results really fast, you don't really optimize your process. And just as you saw through your own experience, you went through a lot of iterations to get to where you are at today. And I think that that was critical to actually making it work and providing the maximum valuable value possible here. So that's awesome. I mean, can you give a brief summary of what the, the school delivers now? and what people can expect if they join today, and also what kind of person should consider joining. Yeah, so usually I don't, actually I've never, the latest version of the school that we have, I've never sold it personally. I've always gotten top students to just have conversations with people if it leads to a sale perfectly. So yeah, why I'm saying that is I'm not like got the big sales pitch ready to go with the school or anything. For me, I would say if you're starting off because I built a school kind of with myself in mind, let's say, like I look back and I'm like, I'm lucky to have made it, but I just got through like so close that I didn't fail. So I think of that sort of person with those sort of like things that they needed to fix. So for me, the school, it's like somebody starting off, they're looking to go big, but they don't know like what's the first real business to kind of get into and make something work. So yep. they don't have to have tech skills because I built it like for just a person who's starting from zero. They don't have to have tech skills, but they want to do something like a real business. They want to learn some real skills and they want to go bigger with these real skills. So the school is built with that in mind, like somebody who wants to go fast lane, let's say um, they want to do something big. But right now they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help anyone. I don't have any real skills that I feel like I can monetize. I don't even know how to get clients. Uh, I've never met, you know, much online or anything online. So that's the starting point of what we assume and who we kind of aim mm -hmm. for to join the school. The school then is, of course, how to get profitable web design, but really in all these lessons in kind of the way everything is built, just trying to get people to think in these ways that I know is going to help them in business. So thinking about, you know, sales, what is sales, how it works, value creation, solving problems, and then running an effective business, learning just how to think in that way that's going to help you in business. Like, you know, look at the marketplace, what do they need, understanding mm -hmm. their needs, how can you communicate things in a way that get people to take action, systems, all those sort of things. So the school, True Web Design is teaching you all of that. Then with these additional courses, hopefully even more. Community is really solid, just support everyone, really cool vibe. We never have any issues in there. I've never had to ban anyone. It's like really, really cool. That's group awesome. of people. Yeah, super tight. So, I mean, who is it for? I guess just somebody who wants to get going, wants something real to get into cool thing about web design you don't need technical skills to get started you know we'll show you how to do that in the program but a lot of other things you need very little you just need a laptop internet connection is that you know that's the classic like all you need is a, a laptop but it is true like it's it's cheap there's no inventory you don't have to go like doing all you know million paperwork or whatever it's it's a very simple business to start you go out there you find a real client you download a theme you edit the theme you get it on the hosting and that's it like so 
it's it's something that anyone I feel can do. And there's always a market out there. Like there's always businesses. When you're selling in the right way, there's always a market. There's always businesses who have problems. They're waiting for the right sort of people to help. And yeah, like for me, a good web designer is someone who's no longer doing web design. Like they learned this skill that now allows them to do loads of other stuff. And MJ's story is a good example of that, where he started web design, used mm-hmm. the money, built limos.com, you know, sold it uh, twice, and then went on to do all his other amazing stuff. So that to me, that's a good web designer, like somebody, and no offense to, you know, somebody doing web design 20 years, but from my perspective, like my goals, web design was always a way to get going. And I just look back and I remember the days when I was trying this thing and that thing and nothing was working. And I just felt like I was a failure. I felt like I was incapable of, you know, doing anything mm-hmm. meaningful and web design, that's is the biggest thing in the world, but it was a real thing. Like I helped businesses in real ways. Mm-hmm. I got them real results. And that was, that was the traction, like on my path, that was where it really uh, started to take off. So the school is trying to model that, uh, my own kind of turning point, let's say, and give people that same experience. Like within a couple of months, within a year, they're just at a whole different level with like, okay, I understand the game of business. And now, you know, if I want to stick with this or not, I'll always have this way to create income for myself, to serve the marketplace, provide value and do meaningful work. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. So you mentioned quite a bit uh, in there about mindset, about sales and all those skills that are valuable for entrepreneurship, which is what you're grooming people into through the Fox Web School. I was wondering if you have, let's say, top five resources that you would share with people. I always ask, always ask this question from guests because everybody is interested in this. Basically, top five, let's say, mindset, business resources. What would you say? Just across the board, like anything? Yeah, anything that you feel would be the most valuable for... Uh, yeah, yeah, really good question. Usually I'd, I'd rattle off a bunch of books, but I, I think the big one, Fastlane Forms. So we're both on the forums. If mm-hmm. you're on that forum long enough and you post there, you're going to see a lot of people who are successful, but also they're going to break down why they're successful. So you can model that behavior. You can, excuse me, you can see different ways to think which is super, like there's loads of different ways to do this. Like there's this way, there's that way, someone else has another way. So on the form, it's a nice selection of lots of different things. Like if you go to a web design form, it's a like a science designers. lab. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, form, yeah. You know? So exactly. You got a, a nice breeding ground of success there. You can see everything. So I think the form is massive. As far as books, there's so many that I would recommend. I'm not sure where to start on that. Um, of course, all the MJ's books. Um, I don't know. I won't recommend books because there's just too many. I feel like there's too many different stuff. For me, I feel like travel. I know this is kind of strange resources. Travel has helped me so much. You get around there, just a lot of different stuff. You run into a lot of cool people when you travel, especially certain locations, um, like certain cities or certain areas that attract certain sorts of people. For me, looking back, travel was so key because I was just never exposed to people who did that sort of thing. I, I lived in Ireland. People are very like in the system, um, nothing against them, but you just don't really meet like these, you know, entrepreneurs in Ireland back then anyway, didn't. And in the oil industry, I wasn't meeting them. So traveling, I just got exposed to like, here's a real person who's doing this. You know, they're right there. Let's have a conversation. Let's see what they have to say about this stuff. Uh, So yeah, the forums, traveling, is going to be a crazy list probably compared to other guests, but I think fitness is so important. I think in business, uh, the mind-body connection is massive. And if you're not looking after your health, you know, what's the point kind of you, you know, if you're going to work super hard to 
to achieve something, but then you can't enjoy it physically or mentally, uh, there's no point. So you also have more energy if your fitness is yeah, in order. Yeah. And the last year just shows that as well. I mean, with this lockdowns and all this nonsense, it's just so key. Like, you know, the, it's great to get wealthy for sure, but, you know, keep your health along the way. So yeah. and looking back, those like years and months where like I just didn't look after that stuff. I always regret it. And I can see the results just drop off. The business drops off. Everything does. So, uh, yeah, get a gym pass, whatever it is. Look after yourself. I don't know, man. I don't think I can make it to five. I'm kind of jumping, yeah, <laughs> jumping yeah. around. No, it makes sense. And I mean, thank yeah, you for yeah. sharing that. And it's good that it's different. You know, that's not a bad thing because I think that there's a lot of value that people can get from that different approach. I mean, the more approaches that there are, the, the more people have to choose from and try. And different things are going to work for different people. So that's, that's great. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cheers. Yeah, yeah. So um, the next thing that I wanted to ask you about is a lot of the people that I see they struggle. The biggest thing that I would say that they struggle with in business is self-confidence. Do you have any recommendation that you would give for them? What can they do to develop more self-confidence and to actually do the things that they know they should do? It's very funny, but what I notice in a lot of people, for example, they know that they should be cold calling, for example, or they should, they should be finding businesses that they help. But they do everything apart from that. You know, they go and build a website. Then they go and add this and that to the website. Then they go and... Uh, they find whatever activity to do other than the one that they should be doing. And the reason why they do that is because they're not confident about it. They're, they're procrastinating about it because they're afraid to cold call someone and so on. So what advice do you have in those situations? Yeah, a, a big thing that's helped me, I'm actually naturally introverted. Uh, it probably does come across the interview, I don't know. But like naturally, I don't want to push myself too much to talk to anyone, especially cold calls. So what's helped me a lot over the years is really understanding that it's valuable for them. So a lot of people feel this way. You don't want to bother somebody with something that's nonsense, that you feel is nonsense. Like, oh, this is, this is low value. This is trash. This doesn't work. And now I got to go out and like contact a million people about this. Like, unless you're, you know, a psycho or whatever, you don't want to do that. Like nobody <laughs> really wants to do that. So the more you understand the value of what you're doing and how it can be so useful to people that's going to allow you like to feel good about what you're doing. Then the other part of that is that you're really making an effort to contact the right people. So I feel like this is where people go wrong. They don't believe in what they're doing. And then they blanket approach like I'm going to contact everyone whose name starts with the letter B. And now they're like, oh, I feel bad about this. Yeah, of course. Like you're, you're bothering all these random people with something that you don't even believe in yourself you know, your brain knows that something's up here. Like in, in the tribal days, you, your head would be cut off by now. Like, so, uh, like you got to believe in what you're doing and then you got to be selective. Well, like, okay, I'm really good at fixing this problem for a business and I'm going to reach out to these businesses who I really strongly believe are the right businesses for me to help with this and who would just, if it's a good fit, would get the best return from this. Now, there's still also like with that, you got to push yourself, take action, uh, you, you know, got to get yourself in state. You got to just make it work. There's always a bit of resistance naturally to doing that sort of stuff. But if you line up those other things, I feel like it helps so much. And like a lot of people go wrong with that, like especially beginners. They don't quite get it yet. They learned it maybe in the wrong way. It hasn't fully clicked. And then they're just not using a good method. They're like, I'm going to contact every electrician in town. And they don't feel good about it in the first place. And now it's just this mission because 
you know, we're all pretty intelligent. Like you can feel when something's off and when you're pushing yourself to still do it anyway, there's a lot of mental triggers that are like, hey, <laughs> like, let's stop this, buddy. And if you got to fight yourself like that all the time, it's just going to be a mission. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one of the, the, the issues with this is, in my opinion, is that a lot of these people, they feel unsure about the value that they're offering, right? So they feel unsure if it's actually going to help the business. Right. So, for example, with websites, they're unsure if they actually make this website, if it's actually going to get results. And I guess that until they see that, it's sort of difficult to really create that confidence in their own minds. You know, like they can see other people doing it, but until they do it themselves, they have a hard time to see themselves actually pulling off those results. Yeah, 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 that's a great point. Like reference experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, like anything, like over time, you do it enough times, you see that it's high value, you see that helps people, then it's not hard to do it anymore because you just know, you know, like if I see somebody drop their wallet in the street, I know that if I like, hey, you dropped your wallet and I hand it back to them, they're going to be happy about that. So yeah. I would never feel like, how do I get the confidence exactly. to tell them they dropped their wallet? Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. there's nothing, there's no resistance in that action because I just know it's a good action. They're going to like it. Feels good for me to hand it back to them. Perfect. Like, but when it's something like, you know, I haven't done it before. I don't know if it helps them. I don't know if it's like even a good thing to do in the first place. Now all the internal stuff is way off. You can push yourself past it, of course, but it's way easier and just better if you line it up right first. And then you're just, you're going to... So how can they do that? You, because you said it's, it's better not to push yourself. So how can they line it up right when they don't have the, any reference experience to go back to? Yeah, yeah. So how I teach this in portfolio stage, like the pretty meta approaches, like one or two good reference experiences. Like just get out there straight away. Um, you know, kind of let's say back to freelancing context here. Get out there and just help one or two people. Like even if it's small, even if, um, you know, whatever... Go out there, real business, fix, find a real problem, fix a real problem, even if it's a small problem, get that online and get some results. And then you can see, hold on, okay, I contacted the business, helped the business, now they're better off, uh, I've done my project, perfect. And that's like the first stage there. Like so you, you sort experience. of ask them to push through it in the beginning to get that one or two references, and then once yeah. they have that, they no longer need to do that. Yeah, yeah, but I, I definitely keep in mind to try and make it as easy as possible for them. So in the beginning, I recommend family, friends, connections, local area, businesses ah, you already see. know. People they already, already know, trust yeah. You. Yeah, yeah, like just get one or two from that group. And then when you have that, mentally, internally, you feel a lot better. But then also externally, the marketplace is also like, okay, this, this person can actually do this. They've done it before. Here's yeah. the real result. So it helps in both ways. Now, when you prospect, you're going to feel better at doing it. You're going to do it in a better way. And then you're going to have something real that backs up all these claims that you're making. And, you know, people can build trust in like, that's another thing as well. So, you know, let's say we now know each other, like, and we know each other already. So you would personally trust me. So in the beginning, when you contact people who already are likely to personally trust you, you can sell as a person. But when you go cold prospecting, you're not selling as a person. Nobody cares. That's you're selling true. as a business. So a personal sale like right now okay i know the person i trust the person we've done this stuff before they got a good reputation they're friends with my cousin whatever it is business sale it's all like results like what what have you done like you're telling me this stuff where's the reviews where's the case studies where's exactly. the past projects yeah so to make that gap it's way easier to start on the personal side get a result or two 
and then switch to the business way of prospecting. I feel like a lot of sales leaves that out and people read this like they read a method or they see a method that works for someone who's now years into it. And they're like, yeah. hey, I just like go door to door and I get the sales. But yeah, you know, you got all this like track record or I just give a conference and, you know, I get all these sales or I just make a cold call and I sell these big projects straight away. And it does work for them. They're not lying and they are sharing how it works a lot of the time, but they have all this stuff behind them that makes that method work. When you're starting and you don't have that, like things to back you up, you got to build up the the blocks that make those yeah. bigger sales methods work. That makes you know? a lot of sense. And yeah, I think yeah. that is very helpful to people. It actually makes me think about something that I read, funnily enough, from David Goggins, when he yeah, says yeah. that when he's at his 40%, right, and he thinks that he can't go on, you know, he doesn't go straight to wanting to go to the 100% because that would be impossible. He goes to 45%, then 50%, and so on. So if you push yourself bit by bit and you sort of make it into a journey, a process that builds on top of itself, then it's a lot easier. And I feel that that's what you've done with everything in, in your life so far, based on what you've been saying. You've been building block by block, you know, something bigger and bigger and bigger and growing as a person in the process, which is amazing. Yeah, cheers, dude. What you said earlier, patience as well, where, you know, if the, what's the saying? I'm going to butcher it, but uh, it's like slow is smooth and smooth is fast or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've yeah, kind of messed slow up. and steady wins the race. Yeah. <laughs> That's the so, one I like, know. If you, if you have a smart, slow approach, it's often the fastest approach because the people who go fast and try to jump a lot of steps, um, especially with selling, like trying to get straight up to selling at a high level with freelancing where you know, it's not just the sell, you got to back up what you just sold as well. Like you got to, you know, it's not like you can sell and run, like you, you sold something, now you got to deliver it as well. So you got to build that up. If you go too fast, um, you're just, it's going to go in a bad direction. I, I often compare it to like a boxer, you know, they, they work a boxer up from the easy fights to the slightly harder fights to the, you know, it's that sort of thing. You go straight for the championship, like, you know, belt or whatever you're straight you're in the ring. Get first fight. Out. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hospital like you're done. Like, <laughs> but that same fighter could have worked their way up and built the confidence. It's, it's same in freelancing. You do want to move up and progress, but you got to be your own like fight manager. Like, pick the next fight that you can win, that's mm -hmm. getting you up the ranks. But don't go too far ahead of yourself because you definitely can bite off more than you could chew. Or you can get to a place where you're like, how come I can't sell anything? But you jumped way ahead, and people, you know, businesses. They know the deal, like they know when somebody's an underdog is willing to deliver value or somebody's way out of their depth and they're like, uh, I can't work with this person, even though I would like to, because they're just going to, they're not qualified to do this. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes absolute sense. And I mean, it's part of the, the reason why I feel a lot of people remain stuck, you know, because they don't take it step by step. They want to go straight from square one to square 10 in one leap. And that's very difficult to do. I mean, you have to, the only way to do it is to literally push yourself through all those feelings until you actually do it and you have a reference behind you. And a lot of stuff can go wrong in the process. It's much easier if you actually take it step by step and you build the courage to get to that level. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you had to, I have a few final questions. So, yeah, go for two. That. Number one, if you had to start again from scratch as a web designer, how would you actually go about doing that? 
So if I was starting again, I probably wouldn't do web design because I feel like I've gotten everything out of it. So I would now just go on to some other uh, sort of business. But if I had to do... What would you try to do? Oh man, just kind of anything. I don't know. <laughs> like I, I, love, I love the school. I love web design. But if I was starting again, I mean, it depends which way, like the scenario of this question. But I would just love like doing something completely different and just seeing if I could use all these skills to do whatever. Again, nothing against like what I've done. It's just like mm -hmm. if I had the opportunity, like, okay, completely new experience. Let's see if we can do it. That's awesome. But if I had to start web design again, and I did this for a YouTube challenge, so I'll just share what I did there because it's exactly what mm -hmm. I would do. I would look, what businesses do I know right now? And I would think of everything, like what businesses am I using right now? What businesses have I recently used? Who do I know in my own network? Look through those businesses, write them down, whatever. Who's like the best person who's got a real problem that a website's gonna easily add a ton of value? So mm -hmm. I did this for a YouTube channel. One guy was, there's a boxing coach here that I use in Poland. I box him twice a week and his website, he just changed. He had an old business that was really good. He had changed location. He had uh, split with his business partner. So it's a new gym and he had no website. So here's a guy, great gym, great trainer, great history of all these different things, pro fighter, all this stuff, no website. So I met a website for him, easy website to make technically, just put in the information, took some good photos. Um, it is ring3city.pl is the, you know, the name, someone wants to look it up. But just that one project, now that it's done, I just know like with good sales skills, you can just leverage uh, that so much to get other projects. So that would always be my first step at web design. Just go out there, one good project that shows what you can do to help a business. And then it just becomes so much easier to get those bigger deals. I see. And did, did you also get leads for him? Or I mean, did you do any SEO or any of that stuff? Or how did that sort of work out for him? Did he use it as a brochure to send people? Or how did that work out? Yeah, so my the city here is a massive. So there's only a few boxing gyms in the first place. Oh, I see. So SEO was relatively easy, like just normal. Kind and of, Google my business, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so for him, this is like, you know, when you get into the web design as well, you see like there's, there's slight differences that make a big difference. So for him... He actually was pretty tired of working with, he had a lot of people come into the gym, like Poland's not a huge high wage country. So yeah. a lot of people come in, hey, I want to learn how to box. I got, you know, $2, uh, what can you do? And he used to do group classes that just completely warm out. It's like 60 people in the gym all falling yeah. over each other. For him, he's like, this isn't real boxing and, you know, I don't want to take money this way. So what he really wanted was uh, boxing people like one-on-one -on -one clients who would pay top dollar for like expert advice and he worked with them super nice. dedicated. So the website for him wasn't so much about like a lot of leads. It was about just a few right people to fill up his weekly uh, schedule with high paying clients. So that approach with the website, it worked perfectly. And now he's just totally full. He actually doesn't need any more clients. So, you know, it's like, how would I describe that? And all of them like, sort of find him organically. Yeah, yeah. Like, he only had a few spots to fill and now they're totally full. So, and again, I approached him with such a good deal. I mean, it's a free website. He didn't have one. He didn't have the biggest need, but as a portfolio piece or as a starting piece, as like a strategy piece, I take that now to someone else. Hey, I just worked with this guy. He's a pro boxer. Like, check this thing out. Here was his problem. He really needed these particular sort of clients. We fixed that. He's totally full of things. His business is, you know, at the level that he, he was trying to hit for a long time. Like, what's your problems? okay, I think I can, you know, solve them as well. So as again, as a, you know, first starting off piece, it's just showing what a website can do. And I feel like having that story of how he wanted these particular clients, now he has these sort of clients, 
uh, that's what's going to be sellable if I use that to get bigger projects. Okay, that's awesome. I mean, one thing that I forgot to ask you about is that we're going to have links in the show notes below. So, sure. I mean, is there anything that you want people to do to contact you or to join Fox Web School? Is there any process that they should go through there? We can have those links there. And I mean, feel free to talk about that for um, the, the listeners who are going to be interested. Yeah, yeah. So this is funny. You know, Rebecca Chalky from the forum, probably Beckett, she has a yeah. saying, um, the cobbler's children don't have any shoes, but... I'm still working on the website for my own, for my own program. Uh, <laughs> there is a basic version there, but I just never get around to making it like that final version that I want. So probably the best place to go is my link on the Fastlane tread for now, maybe later the, the foxwebschool.com website. So I'll give you a link for that because that's a pretty long URL. I'm not going to be able to call it that. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow my stuff, Fox Web School on uh, YouTube. My Instagram is Rob Aorurk. That's kind of it. I, I don't really... Um, do a whole lot on you know like all these different social medias no tiktok or twitter or anything uh pretty low profile actually so yeah fast inform tag me as fox uh or follow me on youtube and you'll kind of see the links in those two places yeah that that's that's awesome so thank you for sharing those details and final question uh, i wanted to ask you where do you see fox web school five years from today so you talked briefly about the fact that you want to expand into more than just web design so where do you see it five years from today yeah <laughs> so i've seen over the last few years that it's always changed so much that to to project out i just i'm not so sure i could do it accurately and and head towards it but I just enjoy it, man. It's a good community of people. I mean, at the end of the day, I definitely want a business that that does well, of course. But um, for me, like the people side of things, I, I just like that. So if I have a bunch of people that have helped to do super well five years from now, and that would be great. On the personal side, I think about this a bit, like if if money was no problem, what would I like to do? And honestly, there's so many, like this sounds so geeky, but there's so many good books and things that I would like to learn, like skills, physical skills, and then like mental skills as well, that um, if I have a business that allows me to like learn a lot of stuff and then give that back to people and then also just bring in other people who are experts and then through my business, they can like, you know, uh, give out that information and then I get to also kind of see that knowledge as well or learn like as my students learn. For me, that would just be amazing. Uh, that's kind of where I'm taking the business is I just love learning and if I can learn like as or if I can use my business to learn myself and then also give that back to people I just think that's like the best thing I can kind of go for I know that sounds I don't know whatever way but for me that's like <laughs> well I that's think that's the, fantastic yeah. because I I get a feeling that you are a teacher at heart you love teaching people and guiding people and I'm sort of similar to you so I definitely get that I mean, for me too, that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I enjoy doing the most. You know, I enjoy doing this podcast, producing content and so on much more than I enjoy running my agency. So um, it's, uh, it's definitely true. And um, I mean, it's great that you, you're able to do that and you're able to grow that. So that's fantastic. And I mean, yeah, yeah. thank you for being here today, Rob, and taking the time. It's been awesome having you here. And for our listeners, stay tuned for the next episode. And until next time, all of you remember to keep growing your businesses and providing massive value because that's what's making the world richer and all of us better off. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, man. Great host and it was super enjoyable.